Welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast, where we mix business, law of attraction, spirituality, and well-being with great guests and phenomenal stories. You'll hear hints, tips, and up-to-the-minute information on digital communication from an expert in her field. Pearl has some wonderful individuals in her networks, and she will be interviewing them all at some point in the future. Enjoy your listening. Well, hello and welcome to another one of the Pearls of Wisdom podcast um, interviews. And this is one of the um, International Women's Day series. And today I'm speaking to a very special lady. No, no, for quite a while. We can put the world to rights and back again. We know it inside and out. And it's. I'm just so grateful to be speaking to this special lady. Today I'm speaking to Julia Narple. Hello and welcome, Julia. Hello, Pearl. It's lovely to be here and thank you very much for having me. I'm so looking forward to this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. What I'm going to do, Julie, is I'm going to say, I think I said to you, all of these um, these particular episodes in the series, because I started the reaching out for people to be part of this um, project on Facebook, I'm going back to Facebook and I'm reading out from your profile because you, you do so many wonderful things. It's just fantastic. <coughs> now, Julia is a freelance social media manager, a social media trainer and a business coach. And you can find Julia based in the southwest of the UK. And she is phenomenal. If you if you see any of the posts that I'm commenting on of Julia's on LinkedIn, everything she shares it is pure gold dust. It's just nuggets of fantastic information. So if you're not following Julia on LinkedIn, make sure you do. And I'll make sure that I add all those links in the description. So, Julia, welcome. It's so good to have you here. Thank you, Pearl. As I say, it's lovely to be here. Thank you so much. Now, what I'm going to start with, I'm going to go straight in and say, Julia, can you share your career date to path and what your career path to date sorry i'll get my words around the right now <laughs> it's late in the day <laughs> and can you tell that story because there's going to be so many young girls young women that will see you as someone that they really want to emulate it'd be great to hear your story thank you um yeah so i thought I knew what I wanted to do I thought my career path was going to be a straight road from the age of 12 years old I wanted to study law and to be a, a solicitor and um, I did uh, do my A-levels and it was at that point that I decided I think I'd also at that stage got interested in in boys or discovered boys um, and I decided that I didn't want at that stage to go to to university so I chose another path and I worked uh, in a solicitor's office um, and became a trainee legal executive, uh, studied with the Institute of, of Legal Executives, now the Chartered Institute. Um, and so I would work five days a week and or four days a week and then I would go to university one day a week and do my qualifications that way. Um, it all went very well. It went swimmingly, you know, and I, I did what I needed to do and, and passed my exams and what have you. Um, and then I started to 
I changed jobs um, and worked for what was then the largest firm in the in this southwest. Um, and I was so, so unhappy. Um, the partner that I worked for would, I was thinking about this earlier, actually, and he actually, it's no exaggeration to say he employed tactics that I've seen. If you've watched that um, Channel 4 programme, you know, people training with the SAS and you see the torture t- tactics, he employed some of those tactics with me. Um, and I think it was at the point where he threw uh, a metal, one of the metal uh, return folders that go inside a, a filing cabinet with the metal ends on it, threw that at me and it whistled past my eye that I realised that my future wasn't looking <laughs> great there. I wasn't really going to have a long future. So I was faced at the age of 20 of something with thinking, well, what the heck do I do now? I can't stay here for the good of my, my mental health. Um, I was newly married. I've got to, to do something to bring in some, some cash. Um, so I decided to set up my set myself up in business. As I say, I was 23. Um, I had no idea really what what setting myself up in business was going to entail. I could I should say that I'd come from parents who owned their own business and were self-employed. So I it was sort of all I'd known since I was about 11. Um, so I sort of took it as par for the course, I think, that yeah, of course you could, you know, you could start your own business. I didn't really think about all the, the reasons why I shouldn't. So I worked uh, self-employed and I worked as a freelance law librarian working in Westminster and Exeter and Bristol, splitting splitting my week uh, between those three places. Um, And I did that until I was expecting my son. Um, And then I stopped work for, I think it was about eight years with my two children um, until my youngest, my daughter, went to um, started school. And then again, I was at that sort of crossroads thinking, well, I've got to work. By this time, my marriage had broken up. I was a single parent. Um, I've got to work. What on earth can I do? Um, Didn't really want to go back to the law because obviously it had moved on. And, um, you know, eight years is a long time in the law. So um, as luck would have it, my, my parents were looking to sell their business. And they wanted somebody to come in and to establish a a proper marketing department for them um, because it had been a little bit ad hoc. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, they'd been running the business for 20 odd years. So it had sort of it was a case of of evolving rather than sort of establishing. Um, And of course, because I had the, the knowledge from the practitioner point of view, um, I had a, a slight advantage. I mean, I had a slight advantage because I was their daughter. What am I talking about? <laughs> but um, I had the advantage of, of knowing the, the books. They were uh, supplies of legal publications. Um, so I started work there um, at thinking it would be a, a six month job while they got ready to sell the business um and it actually lasted 10 years it was the the longest six months of my life um but it was it was fantastic because I got to work with my my dad who is you know I freely admit is my hero he's a a fantastic person um and 
it was always in my you know I feel like it was almost in my DNA that I should I should work with him I was at that stage convinced that at some stage I was going to work with him and I was going to make that happen so uh this this 10 years aka sort of six months uh came along and um and I took it and I would sort of as I say I was a you know, looking after two little children at the time. So when they they went to bed in the evening, I'd sit and I'd study the marketing textbooks that anybody who does a marketing degree um, uses. Um, I never took my my exams, um, but I I did learn as much as I could um, to sort of to to adapt to the the role. Um, I've never been one to say no I can't do it I've always looked at the how I can do it how I can sort of pivot to to be able to to fill a role um and I was there but on the one hand you know it was supremely happy and and fortuitous and it was it was lovely but on the other hand it was also one of the loneliest times of my life because I worked predominantly with women and there was always that sort of subtext of, well, it's all right for her because she is who she is. She's the boss's daughter. And it wasn't like that. I was treated just the same as everybody else. I didn't get any perks. I didn't, you know, it was, a, it, I was an employee. Um, and it was really hard. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate while I sit here and, and tell my story, it sounds like a real sort of sob story and oh, poor me. But it was to feel that for 10 years that, you know, the room goes quiet when you walk into it or that people are talking about you behind their hands mm. is it's bullying in, in any other yeah. way of, of, you know, of describing it. Um, and of course, my parents couldn't really do much about it because they were you know they couldn't be seen it wouldn't have made any difference um it would have been seen as as sort of favoring me but it what it did teach me was was re- resilience um it thickened my skin um and when the company was sold i'd grown the the marketing department by uh, to four people um increased sales year on year by about 25 percent um and made a success of it so you know i count myself the ultimate winner in that situation really Um, (laughs) moving on from there I sort of I started my own business I had had a number of jobs um with always with that sort of marketing side to them uh latterly social media as well because when I was uh working there social media was only just sort of coming in and it wasn't really being used much by business um, and I then spent a, a, um, a time in New Zealand. My husband's from New Zealand. So we, we up sticks and sold everything and moved over there for a while. And we owned um, and ran a business over there. Um, long story short, came back and I started my social media business. Um, and we sort of offer social media management and training, as you've you've described, to predominantly small businesses. Um, and yeah, and, and I now employ I think eight um, associates who work with me and offer a full remit of all the the tech stuff that I'm not very good at. Um, and we're you know thankfully we're we're very busy. Um, then I sort of 
I took I suppose because I'd been doing it so long I I took a a long hard look as as we often do some at pivotal times in our our life and realized that the bit of of my job that I actually enjoyed was the bit where I was creating strategies marketing strategies for business owners and as you'll know Pearl when you you create a strategy you're not really just looking at the company's marketing not looking at their own aims and and objectives you're looking at the company as a whole and in talking to the business owners and finding out what they wanted for their business in the future I was sort of unofficially coaching them very often and I decided I realized that that was the bit of the the job that I really liked I enjoyed uh the the finding unknitting unknotting the 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 knots you know and, and finding the solutions um and so I set up my coaching business and um now I work I still have the social media agency marketing agency but I work with women in business and help them to create success whatever success means to them oh and you are phenomenal at it you really are brilliant I I love seeing your posts and the work you do (laughs) it's just wonderful and when you do something that you love it doesn't feel like work, does it? It's just no. It really isn't, and it's no. so much easier then. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. I adore it. I love it. And it is. I've loved to see your journey because I think when we'd first met, you were looking at pulling together that coaching part. And yes, it was. Just, you've just flown from that, and it is just wonderful to see. It really is. And I say to any of the listeners, make sure you connect with Julia and see because the work she does. It's just fantastic. It really is. Thank you, Pearl. (laughs) I mean, you've had a fantastic career. And the things you've said, there's certain points that really stood out to me. Like when you said when you worked for family and other people in the company didn't like that and you get that bullying. And normally, if you work in a family environment, you're expected to work five times harder than anyone else because you don't get all the perks and everything and they will lay, sort of load you up more and more because you're family, so it's expected. So if anything, you're doing even more work and it's just not justified all this bullying, but people see a way. If they're jealous or they don't like something or if they're not happy with themselves, don't they find it an easy way to pick on someone else? Yeah, absolutely. And it is really unjustified because but I think what it it spurred me on to do was to prove them wrong. Um, And in the the end, that that served me well, because I, you know, I was sort of metaphorically um, putting two fingers up to them every day and thinking, well, I'm going to prove myself. But ultimately, you realise that actually you can't you've got to prove yourself to yourself and that's all that matters because you can't influence you and you can't control the actions of others not everybody is going to like you um you're not everybody's cup of tea and you know at my age now middle age uh, I'm okay with that I've learned to to accept that and that's fine but sometimes when you first have to learn that if we're looking at someone that's first starting on their career like we said international women's day looking at what people are going to take from these interviews and those pearls of wisdom, those nuggets that we can share. It's almost having people be prepared for that. I can remember in, I mean, you know, in my corporate world, yes, I'd freelance, I'd get a contract and I'd go in 
And I went into one place and I was asked to bring someone else on board. And I brought in someone that I thought I was helping. And she came in and stabbed me in the back. She was there three months and she started trying to tell people that I was rubbish, that she could do the job on her own. As it turned out, she left and I stayed there another 18 months, two years. But at the time, it showed I'd already got that respect. But people that you think are there and you're helping them and they just turn on you. It's it's taught me a lesson. Like you say, you learn a lesson quite hard. And for ages, I wouldn't put anyone forward that I knew because I didn't I didn't want it to come back and bite me. No, no. But, and I think, you know, there's that expression, isn't there? Um, in fact, I, I think I wrote a post on it recently. The, when you sort of say anything to anybody, there's that expression of, well, you need to grow a tougher, a thicker skin. Yeah. And actually, I, I want to, although you do, you can't sort of be a, you know, snowflake and, and bow with every little bit of pressure that you get. There's also the point that actually, no, I don't want to, to grow a, a thicker skin because I am okay with being the person that I am I know that I'm authentic I know that I'm kind and I know that I have a lot of qualities and I'm not going to change that just because somebody wants to to you know be unkind to me or or doesn't have those doesn't share those values so in actual fact no I'm not going to grow any thicker a a skin my skin's okay you know Uh, you saying that and you know I love the word synchronicities my family, all the time I was in corporate, my family would always say to me, you're not cut out for corporate, you're too nice, you're too namby-pamby, you don't stand up for yourself. Now, I can be strong, I can be really strong and I can take on anyone. But I used to think, no, I I don't want to be tough. I like being quite feminine and girly. Yeah. That's part of my personality. And if I tried to go into a mould that family were pushing me into... I wouldn't feel right and that wouldn't be me and I like my personality as it is. I mean, I did years in corporate. It's only COVID that stopped the corporate and I'm starting back up with corporate again quite shortly. So it's it's taught me that, no, I can be myself, like you said, authentic self. It makes such a difference. If we can teach anyone listening, don't, don't um, bow down to what society sees as the norm because there is no true norm do what fits right to you and be authentic stick to the truth and know that everything you're doing you're doing your best with you can't really go wrong no absolutely and you can't you know you could what's the expression you know be yourself because everybody else is taken you if you if you are yourself and you're true to your values and true to your beliefs, then you will connect with those people who share those views. And if there was one thing that I could could make young women um, believe in, it would be that just to, as you say, to, to be yourself um, because you're OK. Whatever you are, whatever your likes and your dislikes and your character traits are, it's fine. There's only one of you. Yeah. And I think social media reflects that, where we do the work and we look at that tribe, that part of your network, the people that gyrate to you that to become your followers. Some of them, it's done by keywords and what you've put. But quite often, the fact that you build a following and they stay with you is because they resonate in what, with what you're saying. And yeah, that, absolutely. That, that goes a long way. And to understand that and like you and I as yet we've yet to meet face to face but when this lockdown changes (laughs) 
I can't wait to come and meet you and to meet Joe Duckfield and come and say hi and everything instead of just talking through a screen and it will make such a difference. But we've connected with people all around the world just literally because they've resonated with what it is that we're sharing and what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's one good thing that's come, and I'm always looking for positives in any situation, but one good thing that's come out of this whole sorry situation is the fact that we are, you know, the the barriers have opened and we are able to connect with people that perhaps we wouldn't have been able to to connect with, you know, geographically before. Yeah. Um, It's, you know, it's, it's one good thing anyway. Yeah, it's the only good thing. But there is, and it's so nice. And this is why when I thought International Women's Day, what can we do as really strong, empowered women, people in leadership, what message can we give? And just looking at everyone's story when they bring it to these podcast episodes, when people can listen and see what we've been through, what we've achieved and what we go on to do afterwards. And the fact that, because of the nature of what we do, we pivot, we learn and we change with society and what's happening. And to anyone looking that's maybe even just looking on the very beginning, what university do they go to? What has this lockdown taught them? That you people do, do change. They might have been studying for one of the big companies only to find that they've actually gone under and they're not as stable as they thought. And it's having that set of skills and you could, with a certain set of skills, you can go anywhere. And for you and I, when we look at social media, when we look at digital channels, that's the way forward now. And so we've got a head start above so many people that haven't even looked at that before. Yeah. And I mean, flexibility, I think, is is key because why why at the age of 18 or, or 19, whatever it is, should you know as a person what you want to commit the next 40 50 years of your life too you're a child you know you're a an unformed person or not totally formed person Mm -hmm. at that age and why should you know what you want to do so being flexible and moving with the, the the peaks and troughs and um and and as you say pivoting is really key I think and I would say to any young woman don't be frightened if you if you're not 100% sure on where your focus lies just go with it be open just be open to to every opportunity that you you have most definitely and I couldn't I couldn't say it better I completely agree with what you're saying there now where we're saying about International Women's Day each year International Women's Day has a completely different theme and this year the theme is choose to challenge so, Julia, when when you see that that hashtag, that theme, what does that mean to you when someone says to you, "I choose to challenge"? It means an awful lot, actually. It's I've been sort of ruminating on that um, that question over the past couple of days, and I've come up with one which is particularly important, bearing in mind my my backstory, and that is uh, collaboration, not competition. You know, there is there are a hundred people in any business niche, any industry, there are a million people who do what you do, who offer what you do. 
where I come from, the, the world that I and you also, Pearl, sort of have it, um, inhabit in social media, it's really, really competitive. Um, and I work because I, I'm classed as outsourced business services. Um, I work with an awful lot of virtual assistants. And there is a, that is a really, really competitive market. Um, and within that market, they often talk about sort of collaborating as opposed to competition, because what is the point in stepping on people's heads? I mean, I'm as, as competitive as the next person. I like to believe that I offer a good service and that people who pay me for whatever service, whether it's business coaching or social media or marketing, um, get a good a good service from me. But I'm never going to step on somebody's head to, to do that. Um, I would much rather collaborate um, with people. And I think that's really important because if there's one thing that I would like to see people who coming out of this, this current situation, the pandemic, um, B is to be more kind. I don't think there's, you know, uh, there's not enough kindness in the world and we can all do our bit just to, to make a difference to somebody else. Yeah. You saying that, that's reminded me of something very early on in my social media career. I was working with the Open University and I was doing their um, marketing strategy and where to use social media. And I put something out on my Twitter and I'd linked it to things I'd written. And I thought, my degree's in English. I, I'm publishing quality. I know what I'm writing. And this person came out of Ireland and um, was suddenly making fun of what I'd said and actually picking out word for words. Why is she using that? She's awful. And of course, I looked, I just looked and I saw this person had engaged with me and I went back and said, oh, yeah, well done and everything. And then I saw the other posts they'd said trying to trash me. And it really got to me. Well, you can see it's got to me because I still remember it. And it was mm. years ago. And then when I looked and I went through, I had five times as many followers as them. I'd been doing things for longer. They'd set themselves up. And this, like you said, when social media is quite a tough business, you've got people because they do it on a personal thing that they all do it with family and talk with their friends. Everyone thinks they can do social media. <laughs> There is something completely different doing it for business professionally and doing it safely than actually saying, oh, yes, this is what I had for dinner, taking the photograph and sharing it. And then they put themselves out and say, oh, yeah, I'll do your social media. They, You can destroy a brand if you don't understand it in five minutes flat. I can remember Marks and Spencer. They had a young trainee just come out of uni and he went in to do their social media. And so he started using hashtags. So he looked at the trending hashtags and got all the political ones and added them to Marks and Spencer's posts. Oh. And because I got a call and said, can you cover, can you come and sort this out? But I was still in my um, government role. So thankfully, I didn't have to go and sort anything like that out. But when you think about this is where there's social media and there's social media and it's understanding it. And it's just seen, yes, there is space for one and all. But it's also seeing where you fit in that niche and the understanding and the likes of you and I that have worked years with experience. We bring business acumen to the social media realm 
And that's where you have when the people, when you go onto the likes of Fiverr and Five Squid and they'll offer you for 50 quid to give you so many followers because they just add it through a simple algorithm. They don't last. They don't work. And it makes your accounts look bad. Whereas when you and I work with it, we build engagement. We have proper accounts. We show people how to use keywords and everything. But of course, monetary is very different because we've got our years of experience that we bring to the table. And sometimes... That's a hard lesson for the clients and customers to understand because they think I've got this amount of budget or if I use it there. But then six months later, they come to you or I and say, look, I'm stuck. Can you put it right? And that's a far bigger problem and more costly than if they come to us in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. It's really one of the hardest things, I think, is communicating the value. Yeah properly managed social media and it is about more as you say than than taking a picture of your dinner and slapping it on on Instagram or taking the perfect selfie um it, and you know one of the the main sort of bugbears that I have is when people turn around to me potential clients turn around to me and say why well, I don't need help because my son or daughter does my social media for me and and you sort of inwardly cringe and think no you know. Because I, they might have the experience, like I said, I'd say there's two generations now that have grown up using social media as a way to communicate, but that doesn't mean that they understand how to use it for business. No, no, um, you're absolutely right. And it will be reflected. And yes, I'm saying that we want we want young women to be empowered to know, but it's actually to understand that and to understand the difference. Yes. You know that yes, once properly trained yes by all means go out there and use things because a lot you'll find it's the younger generation that will start with certain um social networks and then business pick up on it because they see it as a way of marketing the likes of snapchat and tiktok to begin with that was just the way that the younger generations would communicate and everything and then like businesses brought tried to jump on snapchat and trying for corporate to explain to them, well, actually, I don't know that that's the best um, the best channel to use if you want to do it because it only lasts a few seconds and it goes again. And, it's just, and trying to explain that to people and understanding what is the audience demographic, what message do you want to send? And then you look at the channels that you that you actually engage and work on. But it's different depending on what the company is. It really is. And it's almost that sort of shiny, shiny syndrome, isn't it? You know, Clubhouse is the latest thing and everybody thinks that that's the answer to their prayers. And, you know, it, it depends. There's so much that goes into to whether it is right for you or not. I mean, I've I've joined Clubhouse, but to me, it's almost it's almost like having the radio in the background. And if I'm busy, I can't join in. I don't know how you found it because I haven't joined anything yet. I've listened for a bit and I thought, no, I don't know. And then it's almost like we're so used to that. Is it recorded? Can we listen to it afterwards? Whereas I, I'm so used to having podcasts or on demand, the likes of Netflix and Amazon and everything where you literally and Disney Plus, all these things that we can go and choose exactly what we want to listen to, what we want to watch. And if we're then tied down to a set time, um, you can't always join in. I don't know. You probably know more about Clubhouse than I do at the minute. I I have to say I'm pretty much like you. I've been sort of feeling my way and, and listening to a few um, broadcasts and and 
what have you but I haven't really sort of got to grip certainly I don't use it for my own business um I need to do a lot more research before I would would ever use it for my business or even or you know let alone use it for a client but um I don't know I'm I'm on the fence about it really I'm not sure that it it will last but we'll see I could be wrong I mean, exactly. I tend to agree with you. I mean, I've heard stories about certain people that have a really strong standing in other social networks being kicked out of rooms in Clubhouse because they wouldn't let anyone else speak. And basically everyone voted to elect them out of the thing. And I thought, oh, can you do that? If someone's annoying you, can Get me on there now. <laughs> I'll give you a list of people. It'd be a bit like the Big Brother house, wouldn't it? <laughs> But it does seem it is almost like that where they have people there. But then, like you said, it's quite new. We see it's growing at a phenomenal rate. So it's something that even if we are sharing for younger generations, look to see by all means research what's happening. But just because you know a certain channel doesn't mean it's necessarily the right one for business. And it's understanding the difference and knowing. And if, say, you follow a certain a certain subject matter that isn't necessarily right for when you join a company, you might then have to consider having a professional business account and a personal account and keep them completely separate because of it wouldn't always mesh if you're saying something that goes against the company you're working for and things like that. No, absolutely. I mean, I know a lot of companies now check uh, social media profiles, don't they, when they're looking to recruit somebody. So let that be a lesson to you (laughs) and so many hr departments if someone calls in sick the first thing they do is they check your facebook account and see what you're doing and the amount of people now you see that whether they're off sick or not they're still on social media and i'm thinking do you not know that people watch that (laughs) proof that if you're saying you're sick in bed and you're busy sharing that you're down the pub or something it doesn't really look that good (laughs) It's a bit of a giveaway. I must remember that next time I'm down the pub, pulling a sickie. But so many people do it without realising. Whether it's whether it's, whether it's an invasion of privacy, I don't know. But if it's out there and it's put in a public domain, surely it's available for anyone to view. Yeah. So it's almost seeing being careful about that. Yeah, I think it's it comes down to don't put anything out there that you don't want to come back and bite you on the bum. Because once it's out there, it's out there for forever. And also, you might think when you delete something that it's gone. No, it hasn't. Because if someone's taken a screenshot and saved it, like we're saying with Snapchat, if someone's done that, even though it only lasts for a short time, if they've taken that screenshot and it's on their phone and it's on any device, they've got that to share and it becomes their property because they mm-hmm. can share. And it, it once it's in that public domain... You have no real say in it whatsoever. No, no, frightening. It is. It is. So we we digress, but it it's a subject you and I could talk about yeah. all the time. <laughs> now, when I go back to this choose to challenge, now I know for International Women's Day, a lot of the posts that they give you as examples, things that what you are going to challenge, a lot of it is gender, gender equality. And I think I said before when we talked about corporate, 
I'm quite happy being girly. My favourite colour is pink. I am the girliest girl on the planet. But I don't mind that because in that respect, I don't want to be seen as a gender. I want to be taken as my knowledge and expertise and take the gender out of the equation. I will definitely stand up for women and their achievements and say go. And that's part of what I'm doing for these podcasts. But how do you see that? I know you were saying what you saw for choose to challenge but where do you see that do you challenge gender stereotypes or do you see more that it's women's achievements that you I think I challenge gender stereotypes I don't tend to I like to think that I take people on face value whatever their gender um and I don't think that that I'd like to think that uh, you know we're all equal and therefore it's not particularly relevant what gender that person is um it's something that I haven't really faced in my my business life personally but I think that comes from being the age that I am I'm 52 um the world now has moved on a pace and I think people are much more aware of uh of gender and of stereotype whereas when I was growing up you you know you go to the school careers office for your weekly careers lesson whatever point that uh, took um I don't quite know what the point of them was um and you'd sort of have the choice as a girl of being a teacher or a secretary or a nurse and that was about all that you were offered um you you know if I'd turned around then and said well yeah I'd like to be an engineer I don't quite know what they would have done I'm sure they would have had to have gone up and gone and looked in a book to see how a girl would have got to to be that but I think we sort of accepted it more in those days I think we were sort of the generation that 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 sort of before that this whole sort of empowerment um sort of came about and and I think that's why I welcome sort of the the empowerment of young women and the fact that they have so much you know the the roads the route is is open to them the roads are much more accessible whatever they want to be and as I say it's okay to not know what you want to be ultimately uh, and there I totally agree and I think mentioned like the first time I ever spoke for International Women's Day it's because I excelled in a male dominated genre because it, it's tech and digital and literally I'd go in and sometimes I would play the feminine card and I go in and I'm five foot two and I'm blonde and they think oh there's this ditzy blonde coming in and they talk about all the stuff about coding and programming and websites and I knew everything they were talking about. And I'd sit there around the board table and they'd say something and then someone would ask me and I could wipe the floor with them. And I must admit, I enjoyed that. I did enjoy that because it made it. You sort, they suddenly think and they think, yes, because I use the right terminology and I could say, well, actually, I built that. And if you look at that, I've built that. And I'd say to him, like with government, I'd say, see that little website there, gov.uk. I've worked on that. And they go, oh. And I, I built that page there and that page there and I pulled that together. And I said, National Grid, if you look at that, I built that. B Sky B, I built that. And they look, oh, and they suddenly realise what you've done. And I know I'm name dropping, but sometimes when you say, oh, yes, I can do a website, people have pulled something out and they've done a content management thing and they've pulled it from there. 
I can show them. Oh, actually, I'll bring it up. Um, that's the website I worked on. And it's... They suddenly think, oh, yeah, she does know what she's doing. I say, well, if yeah. you take a template out of box and do that, and if you add that plug-in and you do that, and they suddenly realise. I mean, very early in my career, I working with Network Rail, I sat on their design authority. I think at the time, I'd been running my own business, and the agency that put me into work, they said, Pearl can be a PA. She's done her own business, so she'll be a PA. Whether it was a good fit or not, I don't know. But I sat there. So I was supposed to take minutes, but boy, did I learn enough when they were saying all these techno terms and everything. And you had like the heads of departments in in Network Rail talking about all these different things. And that was a nice learning curve. But it's, it's things that you look at now and you think, yes, this is where you can. Women can do it. Girls can do it. Females can do equal. Maybe might not be as strong as the men. But our brains are as strong, if not stronger, and we can achieve so much from these things. Absolutely. And I hope we're working, you know, with the the, the younger generation. And, you know, I have a daughter of, of 24. Um, it would be nice to think that that generation are not questioned on, at all on their their gender and don't have to prove that they can build a website they can just be taken in you know on face value in the same way that a a male in the same role would be um you know I think we've got a little way to go with that yet but I think we're on the right track we're getting there we are and it's it's those things and this is where I think International Women's Day really stands up for that and it is to push the stereotypes and change and actually show what women are capable of but that isn't saying that the men aren't capable of fantastic things as well and it's just because we've done this we're so used to actually saying right international women's day we are going to use that as a platform to share all these great messages but likewise we could do that across both genders any time of the year and say something as well yeah yeah absolutely now, I'm seeing we've almost come to the end of our hour. It's getting closer and closer. So with that, I'm going to ask you, Julia, is there any special message you would like to give anyone, either if they're at a stage in their life where they want to pivot and move or if they're literally starting at the very beginning of their career? Is there any special piece of advice you'd give them? I think my advice would be don't be frightened. Don't focus on what you can't do because there is always a solution um focus on your strengths focus on what brings you joy and just go for it and what's the worst that can happen you know you, you you chalk it down to experience and some of the best businesses that I know and and businesses that I've worked with aren't the business that was originally set out um to to be established they've they've pivoted they've changed they've played to a different market they've played to their strengths more and with that growth and that experience comes comes great things so don't be afraid definitely absolute absolutely love that so with that i'm going to say a massive massive thank you and 
definitely going to ask you back because we could talk about so many different topics at different things so i know we've said this before but we need to get some dates in diaries so you can come back and be a regular guest because your knowledge is just fantastic julia thank you so much thank you Pearl. i've really enjoyed it thank you so much Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.